Welcome, everybody, to the Quit Bitchin' Nation podcast. I'm your host, Rosario Smyrny. If you don't know, I'm the owner and founder of the lifestyle apparel brand, the Quit Bitchin' Coalition. This will be our first episode ever. After about two and a half, three years in business, we decided to start spraying the badass via the podcast airways. Um, this being our first episode, we're very excited to um, interview Mike Kunda, who is a Rocky impersonator. Um, his story is awesome. It's QBC all the way. Definitely quit bitching coalition type of guy. This guy's definitely a maverick. Um, so even if you're not into Rocky, I think you'll respect his journey and this story. Um, it's a great, great interview. Um, it's funny. He's got a little bit of entertaining. Um, definitely some motivation. Definitely some uh, mess ups with some audio um, technical issues. But again, you know, I'm not a public speaker and I'm not the, you know, perfect at this, but we got through it. No big deal. I think we lost a few words here and there, like once or twice. But, um, you know, you'll get the gist of it. I think you'll like it. All right. Stay tuned and I'll bring on Mike now. What's up, Mike? How we doing? Good. How you doing? Oh, this has been my first day off in quite a while, so I haven't been in Rocky Land. I wonder if any of the Rocky locations have picked up and moved. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what happens when uh, Stallone endorses you on his Instagram page, you know? Oh, my God. How about that? Who could have saw that coming 35 years ago? That's just incredible. Exactly, exactly. Well, before we get going, let me tell a quick little background story about me, you, and Rocky, and then we'll get into it, because I've been waiting for this interview for a while. So, uh, Okay, go for it. All right, well, anyone that knows me in the QPC knows that I'm a huge, huge Rocky fan. Since I was a kid, it inspires me until this day. So long story short, two years ago, I get a crazy idea. At 6'3", 250 pounds, I'm going to run a half marathon in Rocky. It's called the Rocky Run. Um, I wanted to book Mike for his tours, which we'll get into talking about the tours. But at the time, uh, I think your response was, buddy, there's 20,000 Rocky fans in the city. Of course, I'm booked. So I understood that. But Mike, um, being a guy he is, surprised me and my family at Medicine Hotel the night before, you know, dressed as Rocky. And um, it was awesome. I mean, we took pictures. And I think I told you last week, I said, even though I knew you weren't Rocky, it's still I still had like goosebumps as I met him. So it was, it was pretty awesome. So then I've been following Mike's career, you know, for about two years, and then I said, well, I'm going to do my first podcast and uh, with the Quit Bitching Nation, and uh, I said I got to get Mike out here, not just because he's Rocky, but his life story. And I was privy; to, I did see his documentary, but his life story in Rocky. I mean, he, this dude's a maverick, and. Um, you know, it, it's just an awesome story. We'll get into it right now. Um, he's definitely, you know, what my brand is all about. I mean, and you'll see why in, in a couple of minutes. But, Mike, our first question is, um, what, when and how did your fascination with Rocky start? So, in 1979, I was 11 years old, and uh, Rocky premiered on TV for the first time. It was on CBS, and it was in February. And I was having a problem with schoolyard bullies because I was what you would refer to as a petite child. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I really had no fighting skills. And uh, so on the schoolyard, I was a bit of a, a, a bullseye. So my dad, uh, he, was a little, he was a little concerned. And he thought, you know, being that, you know, my family's Italian and watching Rocky, who knows? You know, it was a little simpler time back in the 70s. So sure. dad thought by watching Rocky, maybe I'd get some pointers. So um, I did. Uh, what I had done was I was so blown away when I saw those big white letters scroll mm -hmm. across the screen. And we hear Bill Conti's fanfare for Rocky. It literally changed my DNA. Yep. But, but here's the catch. For me, it wasn't about the boxing it wasn't about uh, the muscles are working out at first. What connected me to the character was the scene where Rocky finally yells to the bodyguard, buddy, I should have broke your thumb. Because, sure. because him and Gazdo and even Pauly, they were always like yelling at Rocky. It was like he was a, uh, a, round, a square peg in a round hole. And that sure. was I never fit in. So I, I saw that. And then as the movies went on, and I got older, I learned the deeper values of the Italian style and Rocky Balboa. Got you. Got you. Got you. Very interesting. Did you know at that time it would become your profession? 
no, no. But it was interesting because the night I went to bed, it was on Sunday night. I went to bed and I took my mother's old grease pencil that she would write on the aluminum foil leftovers in the icebox. And I, <laughs> I wrote on my gray sweatshirt, Italian stallion. And I spelt Italian stallion wrong. And back in the day, the teachers could be less politically correct. So they called me in front of the class to make an example out of me. And that just added to the mythology that I was a moron for hire. So sure. <laughs> <laughs> this, this has been my life story. No, I mean, I said it to you the other day. I mean, your, your story is, you know, a rocky story. You know what I mean? I mean, you, yeah. like, I, like I said, I mean, I don't want to jump around too much because I, I know a lot of this information from walking the doc, watching the documentary. So then, okay, so that's when you, you, you fell in love with it. And then yeah. how did it start to become, I mean, in, other, in lack of a better term, pretty much an obsession. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, so here's the thing. Obsession is an incredibly dangerous word, right? Sure. Like wh whenever I hear people say obsession, I think of like a stalker. You know, or something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think like, how come Stallone hasn't had like, you know, a restraining order on me? So, so <laughs> I understand that's the first word that comes to people's minds. But sure. honestly, the people that know me very deeply, it's a passion. So, that makes sense, sure. So what is the difference between obsession and passion? Obsession, I'm climbing in Stallone's back window, hiding in his shower, waiting for him. Sure. Passion, passion is a respectful distance, but always trying to attain the goal of keeping the Rocky, I guess, spirit or the Rocky philosophy alive. Sure. Um, that, to me, that, that, that's the big difference. So I guess it really went to the next level when I was about 13. My grandfather, see, when I, was, when I was around 8, 9, 10 years old, I used to wear a Superman costume underneath my school clothes to school because I, I, I'm, I'm a very insecure person. And I think no matter what I do, it's never good enough. So I, I think I have to be like another person or something to get friends, at least at that age. And I'm sure a psychiatrist could have a field day with me on that. But uh, what I used to do, I, I literally looked like Quasimodo walking to school with the cape and the, the costume underneath my school clothes. Sure. And one day the schoolyard bully ripped it off and exposed to, you know, the general public in the schoolyard. And so from that point on, I was known as, you know, you know Rocky Jr. And it wasn't with affection. So schoolyard bullies, would just pick on me more. So my grandfather, so now go to about 13 years old. My grandfather uh, calls me up to his house. He hears of a fight I got into, didn't go my way. And he gives me his old black fedora that he wore as a young man back in the 40s and 50s. So sure. I, put it on, I put it on, I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh my God, grandpa, wow, this is incredible. And then he gives me one more gift. He gives me his old black leather jacket. And I put that on. And I was frozen for about 10 seconds. Sure. I, I looked in the mirror and I said, Grandpa, I'm Rocky. And he goes, you know what, Mikey? He goes, you definitely have something here. You really, really do. He goes, but you got to learn how to throw a punch. So the next day, now this was my mom's dad. Sure. So clearly they must have had a conversation because <laughs> <laughs> the, the next week I'm going to the Scranton Karate Club. And uh, it, it was uh, not a great endeavor. Um, you know, I, I got hit like they put me in this ring because they did boxing there too. They put me in this ring and I, I had these gloves and headgear on and they ring a bell. They gave me like 30 seconds worth of advice, which the last one being duck. And whoever was in the ring with me was relatively better. So I got hit like 18 times. I remember just taking off the headgear and the gloves and crying right there in the ring. I just, I didn't want it. So uh, my mother goes home, she tells my dad, and my dad, again, takes it to the next level. He buys a VCR, records Rocky, and every day I would come home from school, I would watch Rocky, and I would... Uh, hey, keep going, go ahead, don't worry about it. Uh, we're good. So I know that sounds like a Hollywood ending, but, you know, that's exactly what happened. And my dad, being a very smart individual for not having gone to college, a few months later, a wrestling, a inner city wrestling tournament was going on. 
And for some crazy reason, I decided to try wrestling, boxing. They were somewhat relatable to each other. So I thought I would try. So I was wrestling and I wasn't very good. I'd never done sports before. And the day of the match comes and it was at West Grand High School it was on a Saturday. And I, uh, I go down, my dad, my brother, they're there uh, waiting for me to wrestle. I don't wrestle until the afternoon. Sure. So he goes back home because we live pretty close to the high school and they get lunch and he's going to come back at the appropriate time to watch me. So I'm looking at him leave. I'm looking at the clock and I'm looking at the people getting their face smashed into the mat. And I'm looking at all the people around in the bleachers. Sure. And uh, so the next thing that happened, uh, I'm walking home, I'm walking in the back door and my dad and my brother are finishing up lunch. They're ready to come back. And my dad goes, what happened? I said, oh, you know, they bumped up the match. They called my name and, you know, I lost. I got pinned like 15 seconds in. But I wasn't looking at my father. I was looking down at the ground. And so my dad says, well, that doesn't sound right, Mikey. What, what really happened? I said, no, 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 really, that's it. Then I started to cry again. I'm a crier when I was a kid. Every time I got nervous or scared, I don't know. It was just because I guess I didn't have the eye of the tiger. So my father... He kneels down in front of me and he asks me one more time, what happened? And I told him, I chickened out. I didn't want to wrestle. I didn't want to lose. And my father seriously said it was never about winning or losing. He goes, when you commit yourself to something, you got to stick it out. No matter if it's an absolute horrific failure, you learn from your failures. He goes, exactly. Exactly. Right. So when you win, that's great. There's no greater feeling than when you win and you're surrounded by family uh, that have helped you get there. But when you lose, no one wants to be around a loser. And you have, you're forced to analyze what you've done wrong. And uh, so he said, come on. He goes, Mikey, he goes, you can stay here with me. He goes, I'm going to love you no matter what. He goes, but if you run now, you're going to run the rest of your life from challenges. So exactly. go back. And, and, and I did. He walked me back down. I, uh, I, I finished the match and, and that was that. And, uh, it changed. It really, that really changed my life almost as much, or if not as much as what Rocky had done to me. Uh, sure. and I don't, I don't really say that a lot to people because they like hearing the Stallone related things, but, but really, if I'm honest, that's probably one of the real, uh, family moments, uh, that my father changed my life in, in such a beautiful way. Sure. Yeah, it's, it seemed to stuck with you for you know a long time. You know, definitely. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. definitely. Yeah, that yeah, that's a great story, and that and that's pretty much you know that's like I said that's stuck with you now. And um, and then the next part is I know before we get to how you started, Rocky. I know you had a lot of tell us about some of the jobs you had before you finally got your, you know, your calling, your career you have now. So, had I never seen Rocky. I probably would be working with horses. I okay. used to go. I used to go horseback riding with my father all the time as a kid. My okay. dad, yeah, my dad used to ride in rodeos um, uh, back in the uh, the sixties. He, okay. uh, he, my dad used to work with Sarno and Sons uh, way, way back before he moved to uh, Metallo's up in Dunmore. Sure. Um, and uh, I guess Larry Sarno had some horses. And so they, they would do these rides. And uh, my dad always had a love of horses. So when uh, I was an appropriate age, we used to go to the Circle B Ranch up at Mount, Mount Pocono or no, Mount Cobb. I think it was mm-hmm. up at Mount Cobb. And um, it was amazing. So uh, one of the first jobs I had out of high school was working with some of the horses on a farm just outside of Goosborough. Uh These were uh, the horses that would pull the, the, the carts at Pocono Downs. Sure. And, yeah. And so we would groom them, walk them, clean the stables, you name it. And uh, I did that with a few friends of mine for about six weeks and we never got a paycheck. The guy never paid us for it. I thought, but I had the best time of my life. Uh, what else did I do? I was a police officer uh, for a while. Once I had some maturity, uh, that was an incredible job, but I really wasn't a police type guy. I sure. was oddly enough. I was a donut maker. I did construction um, I drywall, I pumped gas. I ran a, I ran one of those little, uh, gas station stores, you know, on South Main Avenue. So, uh, you know, I, I had done quite a lot and then I got it to be an optician and a general manager with lens crafters, sure. uh, a, a long time ago. I did that for maybe 12, 13 years. 
And then 2008 happens and the American economy craps the bed. And anyone who was in upper retail management, <laughs> you got a big bye-bye. <laughs> sure. That was all she wrote. So, uh, but then uh, another event had happened uh, in uh, late 2006 that altered my life once again. What was that? Well, the city of Philadelphia, uh, Sylvester Stallone had just completed filming uh, in early 2006, Rocky Balboa. And that in itself is a, is a, is a minor miracle that Balboa got made because nobody sure. wanted it made. Yep. So they were rededicating the Rocky statue. It had been in storage for three years, and they were bringing it back to where it is now at the base of the steps, and they flew Stallone in to okay. give a big speech. Okay, so that was the culmination. That was the last day of the week. So the week was called Philly Loves Rocky Week. And they, they blocked off Broad Street. They put up boxing rings. They had all these boxing matches. They showed Rocky at the foot of the Rocky steps. And they had a national Rocky and Adrian lookalike contest. Gotcha. But <laughs> I don't enter that because I'm Joe in security. And sure. I don't think I'm going to win. Surely there's got to be 10 guys that look more like Rocky than I do. And you know sure. what? There, there probably are. But they didn't enter either. Sure. Well, friends of mine who work at the Victor Cafe, uh, they sent my picture in to the contest. And it was a picture of Sylvester and I at his 60th birthday party standing out front of the Victor Cafe arm in arm. Sure. And, and they thought I, he, so I looked like my older brother. So I get a call from the contest officials a few days after it was announced. And they say, Mr. Kunda, are you interested are you going to, you know, you're in the top five out of 2,000 people. We're just wow. going to support. Yeah, right? That, that's like so insane. And that was just off of whatever I look like. And they said, we're just ensuring you're going to show up on the day of the contest. Uh, what you have to do, you got to come dressed in your favorite Rocky look. You have to know trivia. You have to uh, do lines from the movies, interact with the crowd, interact with the judges. And then the winner gets two tickets to the December 18th, 2006, Rocky Balboa premiere in Philadelphia, walking the red carpet with Sylvester Stallone and the cast of the movie. I got to watch Rocky with Rocky. Like, it's crazy, right? Wow. So I'm thinking, man, I would love to win this contest. This would be amazing. So I show up. Uh, my wife is there. She's, like, in the front row. There's, like, 2,000 people in Love Park. It was a, around lunchtime. It was an absolute crazy scene. So uh, the Adrians went first, and then one by one, the Rockies went up. I was the second Rocky, and I had never done anything like this before. I'm not, I was not someone who went up in front of people and talked. I, that, I mean, I was, this was crazy talk. I would never do something like that. But as Rocky, as the character of Rocky, or the essence of Rocky, uh, I think maybe I could pull it off. So I, uh, I shed all my fears as I walked up the stage. I took the microphone. And boom, I just hit it and I started working the crowd. Uh, and I just started riffing. I started riffing on, on whatever. I was teasing the judges, teasing the crowd. Then I had to do a scene. I had to play Gazzo's part and then Rocky's part from the scene in Rocky II. Uh, you know, hey, Rock, since you got your money from the, the, the fight, why don't you put your money out on the street? And Rock's like, oh, I just got married in here, you know, and, you know, condominiums, that whole line. So I went so, through that and, you know, everybody loved it. And uh, I answered a few trivia questions. And then uh, next thing I know, uh, like 45 minutes later, uh, they call my name. I win the contest. My wife is filming the whole thing. She goes crazy. I pull her up on stage in the midst of all the uh, other Rockies and the Adrians. The music's playing. It's hot. It's like 97 degrees in early September. And I, I'm whirling her around like a scene out of Rocky. You know, sure. like, remember Rocky was yelling? like a wounded bull elephant in the ring. Adrian. Sure, and, sure, of course. So it was very comparable to that. Now, the backdrop, you have to understand, Rosario, that the thing in the whole backdrop is I hated my job at, sure. at corporate retail. I was becoming someone I didn't even recognize. It made me sick because sure. you're never good enough in corporate retail. You're only as good as last night's numbers that were filed from the day's work so sure. uh anyone listening to this if you're in corporate retail and you have a passion 
do yourself a favor, find a way to make it happen. You'll be a happier person. So, so that kind of snowballed from there. When I got home, um, there was a message on the machine. It was the March of Dimes. They saw it on the news. They asked me to come out a few months later uh, to do a, uh, just to bring a Rocky flavor to an event they were having in Philadelphia. So when I was, I said, you know, sure, no problem. And they said, well, we can't pay you because it is for charity, but you're doing a good thing. So I said, of course, absolutely. Sure. So I show up, my wife, is, she's videotaping and I'm interacting with everybody dressed as Rocky, having a good time, but I'm not taking it too seriously. And this gentleman comes up to me and he goes, hi, my name is Jeff Feinberg. Uh, I run a events group in Philadelphia called Robert's Events. And what we do is we put on big shows for like 100 people up to like 50,000 people for big giant races or concerts or events. We love what you're doing as Rocky. We want to hire you to be Rocky and pay you to walk around the streets as Philadelphia just as Rocky. And wow. uh, so if you could give us your manager's business card, we'll set everything up through him with contracts. I didn't have a manager. I had nothing. Sure. And I'm about ready to give up the gig and say, well, no, I'm a manager at uh, an optical retail chain. And so, you know, I don't really do this. So my wife jumps over and she gives me the look to dummy up. And she goes, you know what? We've been giving out his business cards all day. She goes, why don't you give us one of yours and we'll give it to his manager. So that's what happens on the way home. I tell her, what am I going to do? I don't have a manager. She goes, I know, but this is it. This is your dream. This is what you wanted to do. Sure. And without her prompting, I really don't think I would have took the next step. So how does one find an agent or a manager? I don't know. <laughs> that wasn't my world. Long story short, a friend of mine who I didn't know was involved in this, uh, we did it. Uh, he became my agent. Uh, I should say my manager. And uh, he gets me all my gigs and uh, he works out the contract and I give him a percentage and um, that's what's been happening since uh, 2006. I mean, that, that's a crazy story. And the part that I liked is um, that's, you know, the, the quick picture way is, you know, you didn't, you, 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 like I said, I only know you, I know you about, you know, 10, 11 years in. So to see that, to see that you were shy doesn't even make sense to me, but I definitely believe you. <laughs> so it's crazy. Like, I mean, you were cracking jokes. It's so it's so natural. So, like I said, you had to overcome your fear, right? And right. Then, you know, so in my mind, in the quit bitching world, I said, you, you were ready. You stayed ready. You didn't know you were preparing your whole life to do this, but you really were, right? So you took yeah. advantage to me to an, a, to an opportunity that was in front of you. You still tried to get out of it, but then, you know, your wife stepped up and, and look at where you're at. And I, and, and like I said, how, how long did it take? When, once you started booking, did, did you get, get booked right off the bat or how, okay. how did it go in the beginning? Okay, so here's, here's, here's how it, it, it first starts. It, this is so funny. So um, in the beginning, I got lucky. The guy who hired me, this Jeff Feinberg, they had like five bookings right off the bat. Right okay. off the bat, he had five bookings. Um, which was unheard of. So some of them, I wore the leather coat and the hat and the bruised eye. Some of them, it was the old beat up uh, gray sweats. Sure. Uh, all I would do, I would literally just walk into a room, act like Rocky for one hour, talk with people, take pictures, maybe get them laughing, go home. If it was at the steps, I would wait off to the side for uh, until I saw the desired bus come by that I was looking for. The people get off. I run over. Yo, I doing here? Huh? He's coming to run the step. So uh, there was a wrangler on the bus with the group. So there'd be like three, four buses, maybe 100, 200 people. They would get off from a, a conference that was in town sure. that Rob, Robert's events would have booked. And my goal was to get them running up the steps, take pictures, get them engaged, get them to have a fun time, get them talking about Philadelphia, go back on the bus, go. So my actual work, whenever I do a gig, the work is maybe 20 minutes. Sure. There's, a lot, there's a lot of waiting around, time, whatever. Okay, so those five gigs come through. I made more in those five gigs. No gig lasted longer than an hour 
in five hours, I made more money than I did in a month as a general manager uh, with uh, optical retail chain. Sure. So I said, oh, my God, I could make a living at this. Sure. <laughs> Never say that out loud. <laughs> because then six months go by and you get nothing. And I would call my father and I said, oh, dad, I don't think this is ever going to happen. But I had such a high. You know, I never did drugs in my life and I, I rarely even drink. And when I do it, you know, I, I, I enjoy it. But I'm told when people do drugs, they are always chasing that first high. Well, sure. I can equate that to the Rocky gig. It was such a high because I had such a passion for this character. Um, I wanted that high more and more and more. But I couldn't make it happen. I was stuck. I had to wait for them to come to me. So, uh, you know, I had to keep working. I had to pay the rent and all that. And, uh, but then slowly but surely, they would trickle in. And I would get all fired up and pumped up. And I would be like a new person for a month. And then it would slow down. And there would be nothing for three or four months. And I was sure I was never going get, to get called again. And then all of a sudden, it started picking up about six years ago where it was consistent 25, 30 gigs a year, maybe. Oh, that's nice. That's literally like a, a part-time job, okay? Uh, sure. on, top of, on top of the full-time job that I had. So I thought, okay, this is great. But when I got fired in 2008, it wasn't ready to take off yet. And I didn't start the tours until a little closer to 10 or 11, okay? Okay, gotcha. So when I started the tours, I was doing one tour a year, two tours a year on a big yellow school bus. <laughs> so that wasn't going to pay the rent. Sure. Right? So, and it was, it was actually costing me money. So, uh, and we would fill the bus. Don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, it was amazing. But my wife came to me and she goes, look, I know you want to do this for a living. I know you want to make, get this company up and running, but she goes, we're losing money. You got to figure another angle. At which point that's when I thought, why don't I do smaller tours, private sure. tours, get like a little Honda Odyssey van or whatever, and, you know, charge a flat rate. And then you, I take one person or up to seven. It's the same cost. And we spend three and a half or four hours <clears throat> uh, talking about Rocky, talking about all the things I learned that, you know, even high-end fans don't know a lot of the things that I've learned over the years. Uh, and certain things that, uh, you know, Stallone has told me from some conversations that we've had over the years. So that took off probably four and a half, five years ago where I could do it full time. So sure. we, went, we went from doing one or two tours a year. Now we do probably an average of 30 a month. God, that's awesome. And yeah, but you never know. But you see, here's the thing. You never know you know, it, it's going to work. You never know your passion is going to work. You have to be willing to do it for nothing and fail and be able to say, you know what, I'm glad I tried doing something I love and I failed at it rather than, than ex excelling at something you hate that makes you miserable. And you know what, before you ask another question, you said something very smart a few moments ago and it's something that I write about. Um, what is luck? For me, Luck is practice and opportunity. Sure. What, when you have, we all have to work. We all got to pay the bills. But when we have downtime, what are we doing? Are we sitting on the couch eating a giant bag of potato chips and ice cream, watching Netflix, binging on Breaking Bad? Or are you trying to do something different? Are you working harder than someone else? In my case, it was keeping myself in some type of decent physical shape sure. while uh, learning my craft of continuing to perfect Rocky. I never knew when I was growing up, I was going to do this. I just, when I was 15 years old, I wore my grandfather's hat and coat and a Walkman. And I had audio recorded Rocky as well as video recorded. And I would listen to Rocky over and over as I dressed like Rocky walking around the streets of West Scranton, Pennsylvania. And, you know, again, no idea, but I was practicing every single day. And then, I get an opportunity with this contest. So you have practice and opportunity intersect and you're ready, but you have yeah. no idea you're ready. And to me, this is what an Olympic athlete does. 
This is what a school teacher does. This is what a bank teller does or uh, politicians, whatever. They practice their whole lives, never knowing for sure it's going to pay off. And when it does, they're ready and they give it their best every single day. Exactly. And I think you got everything, but you're missing one part that I admire about you. And I've, I've seen this through so many people that do it wrong. And what I mean is you, you forgot the perseverance. So, okay, you, you get the, you get the gig, you get the five gigs, you make your money. You know, a lot of people, you know, at that point, you know, it's, you said it, it slowed down and that's when they give up. Oh, yeah. The self doubt. Well, you didn't give up. You know, what you did is you reinvented something. You, you, you said, well, yeah, I, I can give up. Now nah, I'm going to make it. I'm going to do tours one to seven people. Right. Because it's your it's your passion. It's what you want to do. Too many people in my life that I've talked to or they give up before their their, their big break. They are. And I say big breaks like you say are earned, though. But, you know, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they get that first roadblock or maybe they get lucky. You know, maybe, you know, I released a shirt in the first week. Um, you know, when I opened up and I blow up and I sell all these shirts and it slows down and it, it's not easy. You know what I mean? And that, that, you know, and that's the part I admire that you did not, and I didn't know all this story, this part, you know, um, I guess I saw the documentary and, you know, you, you keep on reinventing yourself and, and, you know, and like I said, you were ready, you worked hard, you got your opportunity. It slowed down. You didn't give up. You know what I mean? And, and that's, that's what I think sets apart winners. And you're one of the, I tell you, one of the few people that I know that are living their passion, you know, that love their job. And we've talked and I know you got to make money, but I, I firmly believe from being around you that it's the smiles and the joy. I mean, I've saw you, you, you've done tours for thousands of people. You have people from Germany, England, yeah. talk with you. you got Italy, you got people that are dying of cancer, people that you yeah. have, have different cerebrals you help up the steps. I mean, that's what life's about. And that's what the job is about. And that's, you know, like I said, you know, right now, you know, your website, everyone write this down, um, you know, the www.theyorockyfilmtour.net. Um, like I said, that that's your passion, but you're, you're helping people. You're, you're bringing something, you know, I've never met Stallone. I don't know if I ever will, but I kind of feel like I did, or this might, and if this, you know, pretty close to it, you know what I mean? Because, yeah. you know, you have the love and, and I don't know like how many people I know, you know, I know my dad and my mother. I know a few people, but a lot of people are just, you know, it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't matter about the money. You can make a million dollars and not be happy. You know, look at all these, you know, celebrities, you know, that they act crazy. You know what I mean? Doing all yep. that, you know, but, you know, it, it's, I admire that, man. And if anyone can get to that point, you know, you got, you had the passion and, and the money came, you know, and I'm, you know, I don't mean, I don't, not in your pockets, but I'm saying you're enough that you could do that full time. If you could do something full time, and be happy every day. You're winning in life, you know, to me. Oh, oh, totally, totally. And, and But you see, you're so right about the perseverance. And, and I guess I don't talk about perseverance. I, when I, I guess when I'm talking about waiting, hanging in there, I never use the word perseverance. Maybe I should start using it more. But that all came from the 14th round in Rocky. Yes, and yes. Because that is it. I did this black and white painting. I'm looking at it right now. I'm sitting in my office and I'm looking at it. It's this black and white painting of Rocky and Apollo from the 14th round. And I, I get inspired by, by a lot of different things. But the thing that puts me over the top every single day, I will literally get to tears in the 14th round. I have seen Rocky, the first Rocky I've seen at least a thousand times. That, that's no BS. I've literally seen it over a thousand times. And when I, when I see Rocky, you know, when he's in the apartment and, and it's it, right after he comes back from the empty arena, and uh, he realizes he's just going to be a joke. Sure. He, knows, he knows he can't beat Apollo. Apollo is the greatest fighter in the world. Nobody's gone the distance. He tells Adrian all he wants to do is go the distance. Yep. If he can do that, winning, winning is nice. That would be lovely. That's not necessary. His personal goal, okay? Yep. So you, me, your wife, your mother, father, just everybody's got personal goals. Sure. And we don't always hit them every day, okay? And when we don't hit them, either weekly, monthly, yearly, whatever it is, it does take a toll on it. Sure. So when I, when I see Rocky in the 14th round, Apollo puts him down. Rocky has nearly nothing left. And you know what? He doesn't have to get back up. He's already proven he deserves to be there with Apollo. Sure. He 
really, he really proved his might. Even Mickey's like, down, down, stay down. But he knows in the back of his head, he hears the crowd. His eyes are nearly shut. Apollo's believing he won. The ref is counting him out. Three, yep. four. Rocky tells himself, I, I know I can't beat him, but I said I just want to be standing at the end of the fight. My God, when he climbs the ring, uh, going the distance is, is reaching the pitch, and, and, and he waves Apollo in. Carl Weathers. His face is terrible. Yeah. Carl Weathers, his face sells that moment. Yep. He, what else does he have to do to this third-rate supposed fighter, right? Yep. Rocky waves him in. My God, when he waves him in, I just I, – I, I, the tears well up in me every single time. Yep. And uh, he hits him with those, uh, those punches, and, and we see – Rocky has the makings of a champion yep. in his own. So something I tell people, something I tell people on the tours, I try to leave them. If they take one thing from my tours or my story, it's maybe you, maybe you're never going to be the best in the world, but you can be the best in your world for you and your family. Sure. If, if that's the best you can achieve, God, I can't think of anything anything greater. And Stallone said something similar to that a few years ago, and that stuck with me. And that is very Rocky esque. Sure. He didn't have to be champion; he just had to be a champion for him and Adrian. And and I I tell you, this to me is one of the cores of uh, uh, Rocky Balboa. Oh, exactly. No, I know exactly that scene. You know, and that was pretty much on a much smaller scale when I challenged myself you know, to run that half marathon. I, I told my yeah. wife, I don't care about my time. I said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stop it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to walk. So even if I got to do some type of running, you know, so I know exactly what you mean. Let me, let me ask you something. Why? Cause I, you know, we talked a lot, but I, I don't think I asked you this. Why did you choose that moment in your life and that Rocky run? What was it that was going on that, that said, I got to do this? Well, um, well, it all started with a friend from Scranton told me about it. My buddy Mo, he said, you know, about the race, you know, you got to do it. What? Yeah, he, he told me about the race that he said you got to do. And at that time, I thought it was only a 10 miler. And okay. the most I've ever run in my life is five miles. And anyone that knows me, I hate to run. I played in college. And I ran more. I hated it. I despised it. So I started okay. thinking, I can't do that. I'm like, you know what? I started, it was 12 o'clock at night. I said, I got to do this. I got to prove it to myself. I got this clothing line, Quipitch and Coalition. I, I have to do it. Right? So yeah. right. my wife was at her mother's. I text her. She's like, are you crazy? Are you, are you serious? I'm like, no. I'm, once I say it, I'm going to do it. So then I wake up the next day and I look online. I said, shoot, this is 13.1 miles, not 10. And I'm like, <laughs> I said, well, I can't, I can't just do 10. Right, I got to do thirteen point one, so right. I got to do the whole thing. So that was the de- the next morning was exactly three months from the day of the race. I ran two miles. I thought I was gonna die, but every- <laughs> I mean, literally, I haven't ran in ten years. I ran two miles, then I ran two point one, two point five, three. I had my doubters. I think once I got around eight nine miles, people said, "Wait a minute, you might actually do this." I said, "Yeah, I'm not waking up at five in the morning, you know, you know, for nothing." You know, right. so I, I got to the point that I, I, I became as not obsessed. I came pretty passionate that I had, I had, you know, I would run and then I started to um, run for different, you know, one of my big charities that I like to try to help out is anything to do with pediatric cancer. So I started wearing these bracelets and getting these t-shirts and I'm like, I can't let these kids down. And, you know, it's just, right. it's just all everything. There was nothing. I ended up running. I never told anyone that day I had a pulled groin. Um, I had so uh, a sort I, I icy hot icy bomb whatever you call that stuff. My whole body was was looped up, you know. But I wasn't gonna stop, and I never. And then until uh, we get off the subject, I was running up the thing, and at about mile eight, I didn't know there's any hills, and my my rule was I'm not gonna walk, not even an inch. So I'm I'm so determined. I said I gotta get these hills done. I'm bigger than most people. Most people aren't yeah. three two fifty. I blow by these people on the hill because I'm stronger than them. And then on the way down, of course, they passed me out. But I was like, oh, my God, I wanted to walk, but I'm like, I can't walk. I said, 
I just, at least my first, and I've never run a race in my life. It wasn't like, I went from zero races to a half marathon in three months, you know? Right. So, and then that's, you know, when I met you, you know, so it was, you know. Right, that's awesome. Yeah, so, all right. So, next part till we get into the final part, which I I, I have been waiting to hear about. Um, We'll get to the whole big meetup two weeks ago that I I witnessed live on TV. But uh, talk about real quickly, uh, tell me about your, um, uh, well, you got you got a book called Cue the Rocky Music, which I saw in the documentary was hand delivered or was was Stallone has that, which is unreal, which one of my goals is somehow to get him a T-shirt of mine and get a picture of that even if I never meet him. So I can't even imagine that. But then I did happen to see The Pretender and it was it was just awesome. I mean, you know, I don't know if the, real, or the listeners know I'm from Scranton, too. I live in Virginia, but so a lot of the places, uh, you know, you're, you're you're talking about, I know and you know, the park and now probably know that my family grew up there. We all grew up there. So it was awesome, man. It was, and I can relate a lot to it. You know what I mean? In a, in a different right. realm. And I know that's out and I'm, I'm sure it's called the pretender. If any of our listeners know anything about, um, you know, uh, film, uh, film stuff or can get them into any different, uh, what are they called? Mike, when you, the film, festival. film, festival. film festivals. Yes. You know, look him up. Hit me up, hit him up. If anyone has any questions for Mike, please get a hold of him. I'll put him in the comments um, of the podcast. But, you know, get a hold of him. It, it's a great uh, – t- talk about the documentary real quick, and then we'll get into the, the meetup last week in Philly or two weeks ago. Yeah, so um, The Pretender started off as literally a five-minute little interview with a guy named Jim Toscano, who is from um, Detroit. And Jim and I bumped into each other on the set of Rocky Balboa when he was going to Little Marie's house. They were filming when he, when he puts the light bulb in. Sure. You know, Little Marie, that's you know? So um, what we did, we just struck up a friendship. And I had carried that black and white painting that I mentioned earlier. I had that with me because I was hoping Sly would have signed it if I could get his attention. And by the way, that was my wife's idea to bring it. I wasn't going to bring it because I didn't think it was that good. Sure. And she, she told me it would work. I'm a painter. He's a painter. Sure enough, Sly saw it and signed it, and we had a great conversation based around this painting, which he would remember years later. Anyways, Jim was listening to my passion for this character, and there's a uh, a website out there. Uh, it's like a, a Stallone forum chat thing, and so Jim and I would talk a little more, and he would follow, I guess you could call it my career in Rocky Land, uh, along the way and as it started picking up more steam he was like mike i gotta come out and interview you so he would come out with a he started his own film company uh he does a lot of you know like car commercials out in detroit and stuff and he this is a labor of love for him this is something he's always he always wanted to do some type of a of a documentary film about towards or in the world of rocky sure so he he thought my i would be a good vessel for that so over the course of seven years, he came out to Philadelphia uh, a bunch of times. They filmed me on tours and events and whatever. Uh, they filmed my private life, whatever. Uh, and so it all came together. And the things that have happened to me, I, there's really no other word to, to use other than epic. Sure. I became, I became literally best friends with Chuck Wepner. The boxer, sure. the Bayonne Bleeder. Yep. He was the guy that inspired Stallone. Yep. He was literally the catalyst that gave Stallone the idea to take Rocky in boxing format. So, anyways, the story was really big, and, and Jim had said, you know what? Instead of saying, instead of doing a documentary about how you got here, let's do a documentary about why you got here. Sure. And it really shows. Uh, the the support of my family, my mother, my father, uh, my brother, and uh, of course my wife, who I, uh, I I couldn't have done any of this uh, without her support because it's a lot to deal with Rocky twenty four seven. You know what I mean? When you don't have the same level passion, it's difficult. So um, just a, a shout out to her. But the pretender follows uh, of how my goal. I had seen been with Stallone many times, and uh, all the times I've been with him, I never thanked him for uh, all the inspiration he gave me as Rocky. So when I got fired back in 08, I didn't want that time to be for nothing. So while the business was growing, while I was looking for work, 
I decided to write this book, Cue the Rocky Music. And it took me two years, but I got it done. I got it published. Now I got to get it to Stallone. And the story shows uh, some of the steps that were taken to get there. Sure. And, um, you know, there you go. That's kind of that's the basic idea of the pretender. No, it was, it was awesome. Um, I expect uh, big things out of that one. It, it was great. Like I said, you, the, your whole story. Yeah, the, the Rocky is personal to me because obviously I used to say, I could honestly, and this is not easy for me to say, I used to say that I'm the number one Rocky fan, but I'm going to have to give you the throne. Um, <laughs> it takes no. A, um, but, you know, even if you're not a Rocky fan, it, it's definitely worth it. It's inspirational. And, and to me, I took it, you people, you got to have passion and, and, and go for what you want to do. Because eventually, like I said, who the hell knew how it would come off? But you had the passion and twist and turns. And next thing you know, you know, we know how um, now after this show, how how your life has has um, turned out so far. And then the last part, I got to hear a little bit about, um, you know, last last week or two weeks ago. I, I was watching it live, you know, to give everyone a backdrop. Stallone came. I think it was a rededication, rededication something with the with the statue in Philly. Um, Mike hinted he might be there, which I know Mike enough now. I knew he was going to be there, and um, I just got was just um, wondering if I could get a Lear jet and be there in about twenty minutes. But uh, go ahead, tell me about that because I mean that was I must have seen about ten thousand pictures, videos. It looked awesome. All right, so uh, let me say one last thing on everything you've said so far. You said some very nice, kind, generous, sweet things about what I do, and I appreciate that. But there's one other thing that people have overlooked and that no one believes me when I tell them. You got to remember, I have no other qualities to offer humanity. Oh, <laughs> I get no out of here. <laughs> I have literally no skills. If it wasn't Rocky, I would be parking cars for the rest of my life. Not that there's anything wrong with parking cars, but sure. I, I don't have any other skills. Uh, I have brother-in-laws who can build a house. Uh, you know, I know people who are so valued in what they offer society. If this is a zombie apocalypse, I'm the first to go. Nobody needs a Rocky impersonator, okay? But it does come down. That is the one thing I do well. So, okay, um, I, I, I got to go with it. Uh, so it is a case of perseverance. It is a case of um, uh, persistence and hanging in there. But the other thing is, you know, I, there wasn't a lot of other options I had. So I do want to be fair and when people hear that. Okay, so uh, two Fridays ago, Thursday night, I get a call around 10 o'clock from the mayor's office of Philadelphia. And I do a lot of pro bono work for the mayor's office, uh, you know, from time to time. We work on charities or whatever. And the mayor has become a friend of mine. And he, uh, he kind of invited me as his guest. At this event, there was a plaque that was made 12 years ago that was supposed to be on the base front of the Rocky statue. Sure. Uh, it was a portion of one of the greatest speeches in the world. It ain't about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit. Yep. So they rededicate this plaque on the front of the statue. And because it literally was a coincidence that Stallone was in town filming and they found this plaque. So they reached out to his people and they said, we want to have a little rededication and, you know, uh, Sly's going to be there. So the mayor couldn't guarantee I was going to get any type of reaction from Stallone. I, he couldn't guarantee it, but he said, Mike, come out dressed as Rocky. Okay. Come out dressed as Rocky. Give us your best Rocky for Sly. Welcome him back to Philadelphia. Let's see what can happen. Sure. I'm standing on the fence. They now have a little fence, a little tiny three foot tall wrought iron fence around the Rocky statue. And I'm standing on the other side where there are numerous photographers. Okay. There's about 25 photographers and a bunch of news crews. And I know some of these people, they're very good people. And, uh, throughout my gigs over the last 10 years, I've gotten to know them. So we're kibitzing it up. We're going back and forth and getting caught up on whose kids are doing what. And I'm there dressed as Rocky from head to toe. I'm as, I'm, I'm, I've got my best Rocky look on. And the mayor gets. And uh, did I lose you? Yeah, you're good. You're good. Keep going. The mayor, go ahead. You still there? 
I'm still here. We got it. All right, go ahead. Don't worry about it. Um, the okay. Man, talk about the man. Uh, hey, hey, okay, this is, so. this, is, this is raw. We don't worry about that in the Quipitcher Nation here. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> That's right. That's right. No excuses. So the mayor comes in with uh, uh, his, uh, his team, and he comes right over to me. We start mugging for the cameras. We're punching. We're throwing rocky lines around. He's really a great guy. Mayor Kenny's a great guy. And um, he gets distracted, and he's – uh, talking to his team, and uh, Stallone arrives in a big black SUV, and the crowd goes nuts. Now, this was all quiet. The only people that were there were the people at the Rocky statue and at the steps. But gotcha. once, you start, once you start seeing the paparazzi and the police, there was like 20 cops all around. You know, sure. people are thinking, uh-oh, something's going on. So I'm still in this little penned area. And I was a little disappointed that I wasn't with the mayor, but I don't care. I'm right here and it's all good. So, and there's all cops that won't let me out. So sure. uh, Stallone is, he's walking around, he's seeing everybody, he's going from side to side. He did his absolute best to hit every single fan and he was fired up. I mean, for a guy who's going to turn 72, this guy was seriously loving this moment. Sure. So. He walks past me by about six feet, and I let out the best yo sly as Rocky as I could. His neck snaps to the left, and he sees me there, head to toe Rocky. His eyes get huge, and he goes, Rocky, what are you doing here? So he yeah. comes run, walking over to me, and then he realizes who I am. Sure. And if, you, if you read my book, Cue the Rocky Music, you'll see the times that Sly and I have kind of had conversations over the years and he remembered all of it. It was so great. And we really started mugging for the cameras for a couple of minutes. Well, that was fantastic. Right. So uh, he goes up to the statue with the mayor, then he does a TV interview. And so everyone's kind of focused their attention on Sly being interviewed. And then the mayor looks at me and he goes, rock, what are you doing behind the fence? Get over here. And I kind of motion sheepishly, with my head to the cop and he goes, Oh, so he goes over to the cop and he goes, Oh, whoever the cop was, he goes, I want Rocky over here with me. Get Rocky over here. So he goes, you got it, mayor. So he talks into his little shoulder, Mike, uh, Rocky's coming out. He's going over with the mayor. Wow. <laughs> this is the mayor of Philadelphia and the police calling me Rocky. This is That's crazy. crazy. So they open up the gate. I come out very respectfully. Uh, I understand their job. I was a cop. I get it. So I know how to conduct myself. You can't rush alone. You can't, you know, you can't run up to him. You got to just wait and bide your time until it's the moment is there. And the moment may not come. And I thought for a moment, Sly was done with his interviews and he just starts walking. He's, he's kind of cruising just, uh, just maybe six, seven feet away from us. And he's making his way back to the SUV. Now we still got about 50 feet to go. And the mayor goes, he puts his arms up and he goes, Sly, come on, get a picture with your alter ego. And he goes, wow. Sly starts laughing and, and he puts his arm around me. Now we're standing shoulder to shoulder and we're mugging for the cameras. The Rocky statue is looming in back of us, Crazy. arms up in victory. We're putting our fist up. Now Stallone decides to start punching me in the face, which is the picture he chose to put on his Instagram. Yep. Sure. And, and uh, a few days later, he decided to uh, put uh, that he ran into Rocky at the Rocky statue and he kind of backed the tour. Uh, yep. I, I was so unbelievably grateful for what he had done. He literally told the world for free that sure. the, oh. the, the Rocky tour is the Yost Philly Rocky film tour is the place to be. And he put the link right to the website. How do I thank Sylvester Stallone for that, right? How yeah, I mean, that, 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 that in the marketing world is worth, you don't even want to know how much money it would cost me to get him to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it starts at around 3 or $4 million. That I would, would say. Be, that was, that's the start. And I, I found that because there was a car company that was interested in going after Stallone. And once Creed II got greenlit, his price went up even higher. So, sure. I, my, my God, how... 
graceful for this guy to do that for me. And another thing I, I want you to know, and I want all of your listeners to understand something, you know, we tend to put certain people on a pedestal. Okay. Sure. Quite often the people that deserve to be there, police officers, firemen, nurses, doctors, teachers, they don't always get on the pedestal where they, do, where they deserve to be. I never put Stallone on a pedestal. Sure. He is human. He's like you, me, and everybody else. He wakes up first thing in the morning with messy hair and bad breath, and he's got to go to bathroom. Yeah. I've, I've always had Rocky on the pedestal. Okay? Sure. Because Rocky is a symbol of what we could be if we tried. We yep. may not get there, Rosario. You know what I mean? We may not get there. But if you don't try, I don't know what there is to life if you're not trying. You know, if you're just accepting and that's it, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. So anyways, that, that, wow. that, that was well, that... the essence. We, we had some conversation uh, about the jacket and about a few other things. But I have to save that for my uh, coworkers at Slycast. Because sure. I give them the ultimate exclusive. On oh, sure. So I got to save a little bit for those guys, okay? Oh, I, I definitely, yeah, I definitely understand and appreciate that. Well, Mike, it, it's, it's been awesome. Um, wow. What, what a great, um, great story. And like I said, you're, you're QBC all day long. Man, I, I try. Mean, in so many ways, like I said, to sum it up, from the passion that formed, just being ready, to persevering and still reinventing, still working hard. And like I said, you're, you're happy every day. I feel I probably, I know you get tired because you're doing so much work now, but I'm sure you don't feel like you're, you're going to work every day. You know what I mean? So correct. Correct. You know, that, I mean, you're, you're winning man. And I uh, appreciate the time so much. And uh, I think our um, listeners can get a lot of life lessons. And uh, I know I have, and I'll, I'll be listening to this a few times, but um, awesome. hey, thank, thank you very much. Um, honestly, it's been great. Good luck. And, and, and by the way, uh, when you found out about the um, uh, Sly uh, plugging you with the, with the tour, who told you that first? Uh, so I, I was actually doing tours. I, yeah. I had a couple of tours on that day, and I was standing in a burger joint on Arch and 12th in yep. downtown Philadelphia. I was starving. And of course, I'm doing my tour, so I don't look at I don't look at my phone. Sure. And and I pull the phone out as I'm literally waiting in line, and I see I have about 37 text sure. messages, right? <laughs> and so I just the first one is my friend Claude sure. from uh, California, and he goes, Mike, did you see it? And I don't know what the hell he's talking about. And I'm reading it again. Did you see it? And then I looked at another text message and another text message from other people and no, everyone's saying the same thing. No one's telling me what it is. Yeah. You want to know the first thing? I thought, I thought Stallone died. I thought, Oh that's God. Right. So now I go right to um, my Twitter page. Sure. And the first person I saw was this actress. Her name is uh, uh, Kirstie Strain. And she's, uh, she does some Showtime stuff or whatever. And she took the tour uh, last year with her fiance and uh, she says, oh, my God, I, and I look like Rocky. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And she puts a link. Yeah. And I hit the link. And wow. there's me and Sylvester Stallone. He's punching me in the face. And I'm reading it. And there's like 160,000 people that have liked it already. And I'm looking at it. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, the generosity of Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. I mean, he knows me. But he doesn't like, you know, I mean, we're not like best friends, right? So Yeah, sure. He must recognize something that I'm trying to do in keeping the Rocky. Of course. Uh, of course he does. Of course he does. No, that, I mean, that's something I dream about every day. That, that's that moment. Like, like, you know, and, you know, you work hard and, you know, that's, you know, that's one of many you've had. But uh, that, that was, I saw it and I said, oh, my God. I think I wrote to you seven minutes afterwards. I, I mean, I, I wrote to you a second. I saw it. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. You yeah, know? I, I think you're right. Because, like, um, you know, in the, in the cyber world, you know, thousands of – and on, on Facebook, I had over, like, 4,000 notices. Sure. I couldn't get to everyone. I had to do a video to thank everyone because there's no way I could answer them all. But, you know, like, in the cyber world, there's many people you're never going to meet you'll, you'll, you'll kind of correspond with, right? Yeah. But like you and, and maybe a dozen other, two dozen other people that I actually know 
handshake to handshake, face to face, like that sticks out. And I knew you were early on. You were very, very early on when you sent me a notice. I can't remember what you said, but I know you were you were unbelievably excited. I do. Oh remember. yeah, definitely, man. Well, listen, I appreciate your time, and I look forward to uh, talking more. Thanks. We'll do it again. I, who knows what next year brings? You know. Great and and, and uh, much uh, luck and success with uh, QBC. Uh, perseverance, buddy. Uh, perseverance. Stay with it. All right. I appreciate that. Thanks, buddy. You got it, brother. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, we hope you enjoyed that episode, um, our episode number one with Mike Kunda. Uh, we definitely did. I think there's a lot of knowledge. I think we had a lot of fun. Um, stay tuned for many more. And um, what we do ask is if you did like and enjoy the show, please subscribe to the show. Tell your friends. Um, very important to rate us and give us a comment. We would definitely appreciate it. And I'll make a deal for you. If you guys um, leave us a comment, send me a screenshot, DM us at Quit Pitching Coalition, and I'll send you a pretty good discount code. But thanks again for listening, and stay tuned for many more episodes to come. Bye.